it's an interesting dynamic when you ask about the psyche. Look, are there consumers that are still uh, concerned with the virus and their ability to come back? The answer to that is yes, of course. This is the Box Office Podcast, and today is Tuesday, August 24th, the second day of CinemaCon 2021. I am Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, the only publication in North America exclusively dedicated to covering theatrical exhibition. Joined today, once again, by our co-host, Rebecca Polly, deputy editor at Box Office Pro, in this our, our daily edition here at CinemaCon, uh, Rebecca, it's been a, a busy day, a lot to go over. We've got our guest in the interview segment, Rolando Rodriguez, the CEO of Marcus Theaters, the fifth biggest movie theater chain in the United States. He is also the chairman of the National Association of Theater Owners. He will be joining us shortly. We've got a, a, a packed schedule for you guys, but before we get started, here are some messages from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Dolby Laboratories. Differentiate your offering with the Dolby Auditorium packages, which allow you to tailor the right solution for your business needs to create a spectacular experience for moviegoers. The Dolby Auditorium packages are bundled to provide considerable cost savings and have an optional, low-cost, extended warranty significantly reducing the total cost of ownership. Dolby products are quality tested in multiple configurations to ensure the highest quality and reliability. Dolby brings decades of audio excellence and innovation to create spectacular experiences for moviegoers. Visit professional.dolby.com forward slash cinema for more information. This episode is also brought to you by Pulse by the box office company. Are you a studio, a distributor, or a production company and need to track your movie once it hits theaters? Or are you a studio, distributor, or production company that needs to plan your distribution strategy for an upcoming movie? Pulse by the box office company is what you need. We have forecasting reports, release calendars, and an intuitive SaaS solution to keep you informed throughout the life cycle of your movie. Contact us at sales at boxoffice.com to discuss the Pulse platform and solutions. So, Rebecca, now that we're going to dive right into it, uh, we'll start with a schedule. But before we get started, how did you feel after your first day here at CinemaCon? Um, I think uh, probably probably the same as you. Uh, tired, but excited to be here, excited to be seeing people. Um, you know, we'll be recording these every, uh, every evening, every night, really, after the event ends. So only a few hours before you're listening to it. Uh, getting as live as we as we possibly can. So it's, uh, you know, you feel that sense of adrenaline. And then once CinemaCon's over, I imagine I'm going to be sleeping for 48 hours. But uh, I imagine that's probably the same for the staff at NATO. God love them, because they <laughs> succeeded in putting together this event. And really everyone here, I think, uh, of course, everyone is probably a little bit equal parts nervous and excited. Uh, obviously, we are still in a pandemic, but I think there's a lot of safety precautions being taken in place. A lot of people uh, really in Vegas we see are, are following these. And really, I haven't seen a single person here at CinemaCon that has uh, played loosely with, uh, with the guidelines, very strict regulations here uh, with uh, vaccine mandatory. And if not a vaccine, you need to have a negative COVID test within 48 hours of the event. But let's go straight right into today's schedule here on Tuesday. 
We start early on, Rebecca. You're moderating a panel at 7.45 a.m. at the Palace Ballroom, rebuilding and diversifying the post-COVID workforce. It's going to be an interesting conversation that really leads into the 9.15 session that I think a lot of folks have been waiting for over at the Coliseum, the state of the industry, where we had our guests from yesterday's episode, John Fithian, president and CEO of NATO, and Charlie Rifkin, chairman and CEO of the MPA. They'll be delivering their annual address uh, to the congregants here at CinemaCon. That's going to be followed by the MGM and United Artists studio presentation. I think that's going to be an, an interesting afternoon there. Then I think one of our favorite things at the events opens uh, the trade show. Trade show. Can't <laughs> wait for the trade show. We're very excited. And you did follow up with your promise of showing up with a popcorn face mask. I've seen it. It's real. I, I exceeded my promise. I have two concessions themed face masks. I'm breaking out the next one tomorrow. I got to gotta keep it varied for the CinemaCon crowd. That's wonderful. And of course, you'll also be wearing that second face mask to the 5 p.m. studio presentation over at the Coliseum. Warner Brothers uh, presenting their, uh, really their slate and, and their films moving forward. I'm very curious, obviously, what reception happens there. As we know, Warner Brothers started the pandemic in 2020 being arguably the, the biggest champion of theatrical exhibition in pushing Christopher Nolan's Tenet to go out in theaters uh, in early fall 2020. Of course, that strategy changed slightly. 2021, they announced their entire slate going day and date on HBO Max. A lot of heated uh, feelings around that. But hey, we have to say it, that decision ensured that in the toughest months of the pandemic, in that first quarter of 2021, we still had films in theaters. And these are films, not only the big budget action type films, such as Godzilla vs. Kong, which did do quite well at the box office, but we're also looking at more adult fare, let's say, mm -hmm. like Judas and the Black Messiah, which I saw in, in theaters and I quite enjoyed it. It's it's interesting when, uh, you know, talking to anecdotally friends and family about um, some of these Warner Brothers releases, a, a trend has emerged of uh, people liking it when, they saw it in a theater and people being uh, maybe more more ambivalent about it when they saw it on HBO Max. Uh, interestingly enough, Daniel, uh, that was a point brought up uh, with regards to Wonder Woman 1984 mm -hmm. in today's international panel, which uh, we had both attended and, and there was some interesting insight there. Yeah, no, absolutely. That international uh, panel that occurred on Monday uh, at 1.30 p.m. here at CinemaCon, we actually have a recording of this panel that will go out on our Thursday episode. So tune in on Thursday morning to the Box Office Podcast to listen to that panel featuring Mookie Greidinger, the CEO of Cineworld, Alejandro Ramirez Magaña, the CEO of Cinepolis. Then we've got Universal's uh, Veronica Kwan Vanderberg, and we've got uh, Paramount's Mark Vianne. A very interesting panel. We will also have the video version of that exclusively over at our box office live sessions, live webinar that we will be doing at 7 a.m. Pacific time on Thursday morning. Rebecca and I will be on site to deliver some live analysis here from the event, and it will be followed by the video presentation of that uh, panel that, that I thought was, was a fantastic opportunity to hear from top executives 
in, exibu- in exhibition, in distribution. I want to dive into it, but listen, let's let's not focus too much on it because our audience here, you'll be able to listen to it in its entirety on Thursday. So please tune in either to this podcast or register for the live session. You can find that over at boxofficepro.com, our website, top left-hand corner. You'll see a button that says live sessions. Click that, you'll be able to register. It's free. It'll be a great opportunity to to see and hear what these uh, business leaders had to say. So let's actually move on from that um, and really talk about uh, the main course that we had today, the opening night Sony studio presentation. A lot to unpack here. I want to start, Rebecca, with who introduced it, because we had Mookie Greidinger, the CEO of Cineworld, uh, the parent company of Regal here, the second largest exhibition chain in the world. He goes on stage, and it's important to say this, Cineworld is probably among the loudest and most vocal proponents of theatrical exclusivity. And he introduces a studio that, I mean, we have to say it, it's, it's one of the few that have been very strict on preserving theatrical exclusivity. Now, as we've mentioned before, Sony has had to sell some titles just to make it through the pandemic. But what they've released in theaters has been exclusively released to theaters. And really, it doesn't look like it's going to change much from there. After Mookie, we had Josh Greenstein, the president of uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment, going on stage. Rebecca, he had very strong words calling day and date devastating. We had some quotes for Mr. Greenstein there, and I, I will say, can can I just read a few quotes here for you? Because I don't think that I can really improve on There's some wording. R-rated quotes here that we will gloss over in we'll, a little bit from another speaker, but let, let's let's hear what, uh, what, what Josh Greenstein had to say in this session. And first, I want to say that all of the Sony executives came out to a really lovely light show, which it was nice to see some spectacle. You know, this is the industry of showmanship. I appreciate it. So Josh Greenstein said, quote, at the core, then, you know, of Sony's strategy is preserving and protecting the theatrical exclusivity window, as you alluded to. Further, he said that the day and date strategy is devastating to our collective business. He says that we at Sony take a long-term view of the movie business uh, and that the movie theaters and the theatrical experience will triumph. And it's a phrase that came up from Mr. Greenstein, and then also in the sizzle reel that the slate presented at CinemaCon will be presented exclusively and first in movie theaters. Um, there are also, you know, some quotes we have from from Tom Rothman, which we can discuss. This we'll is a, where some a salty yeah, language now, came up, yeah, but a very interesting session. All of these these quotes that I that I'm referencing here um, met with just just raucous applause from an extremely extremely appreciative uh, theatrical exhibition audience. And let's go into what we saw from that Sony sizzle reel, right? There were a couple of titles there. I can tell you on my end, the one that really stood out was this title, Bullet Train, starring mm-hmm. Brad Pitt. It looks like a fun action movie. That, that, that footage from that was really what appealed to me. How about on your end? What did you like from that Sony presentation? I liked that one as well. We, we, we saw maybe, a, maybe it was a minute-long clip from that, and it really felt like Brad Pitt in his kind of uh, dry, comedic, right. once-upon-a-time-in-Hollywood mode, yeah. uh, which I really appreciated. 
we didn't see a, a ton of it, um, but there were some moments from Spider um, from Into the Spider Verse two, of course. Right, you know yeah, the that, animated um, sequel uh, to, to that Spider Man. One of my uh, most anticipated films, and then we actually saw the first uh, first trailer, first footage for Spider Man uh, No Way Home, starring Tom Holland and Benedict Cumberbatch. Certainly looks like a lot of uh, a lot of fun, and again, they were very clear to say this is going to be first and exclusively in theaters. I think an interesting element of that Spider-Man presentation in Sony was the fact that they presented it alongside footage from the Venom sequel and from Mobius. Is is that the, the right the it's right title? Morbius. 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 I have no idea what these things are. Uh, they but it's a Spider-Man it, guy. They called it quote the uh Sony Spider-Man universe. Morbius is um for, from my understanding kind of a an anti-hero, superhero he looks vampire. Like super, yeah, it's Super Dracula. It's Super it's Dracula. It's evil Super Dracula. That's wonderful. They should have just called it that. You know, Easier than Morbius, but Ve- sure, let's go with it. Venom, they got a shot of a, a Tom Hardy and, and Venom sitting on a beach looking at the sunset. You know, Why If not? I wasn't in already, I'm in now. <laughs> so yeah, it's very clear to me that Sony looks like it's taking the first steps to break away from Disney's Marvel Cinematic Universe and really create its own Spider-Man universe. We definitely got that sense after watching that trailer of uh, of the next Spider-Man and title. Notable, this is something they've already tried a couple years back. If you remember, uh, there was announced an entire universe, I believe, yeah. six films that were going to be centered around, you know, spin-offs of characters around the amazing Spider-Man universe starring Andrew Garfield at the time didn't pan out, but it looks like they have a strong basis from which to go off here. I mean, clearly they have actual multiple films in the lineup and, and slated for release in 2022. And in the case of Spider-Man No Way, no Way Home, Christmas this year. Yeah, I, I really think that's going to be exciting. We, we were texting with our colleague, uh, Sean Robbins, chief analyst here, and he, he saw the trailer and he mentioned, just give it the box office crown already. Yeah, I think he's super excited. I think a lot of audiences are just looking at the Twitter traffic and the buzz around that. The buzz around the Spider-Man trailer is is what the... B to C fan contingent of the entertainment uh, journalism circle. That's the, the social media buzz is off the charts. And that's one. important for this event too. Of course, we're here to cover, you know, basically the knife fight that exhibition is currently in against the global pandemic, extremely stressful, but it also serves CinemaCon is also a platform to launch these marketing campaigns. And it's great to have that on day one, mm-hmm. right? I think that was a great move. And of course, that Spider-Man trailer was followed by Sony Pictures Entertainment chairman and CEO Tom Rothman. This was probably, I mean, if there's a better quote, uh, you know, I'll be very surprised. This is probably the quote for the show here. He set the tone. He set the tone. Uh, He walks in and uh, is very humble, basically says, I went um, went to the movies last weekend. I went to a drive-in, in fact. Yes, uh, operate the Wellfleet Drive-In operated by one of our guests on this podcast this Friday, 
John Vincent, the president of the Uditoa Drive-In uh, Theater Owners Association. Mm-hmm. And he says he saw he saw a free guy, and he is a he is a former uh, 20th Century Fox executive, of course, that was uh, purchased by Disney. He says I went and saw a film from my alma mater. I saw a Free Guy. It was a terrific film, made a lot of money. And then Daniel, I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. All right, I'll, I'll give you the PG version. He said he loved the film. He was really proud of its performance at the box office, quote, for two reasons. Number one, it's terrific. And number two, you can't watch it at home. Go effing figure. After that, I mean, the, the applause was, was really terrific from the exhibitors uh, in the crowd. He did, he did reference, um, I, I, was in, uh, I was in middle school, high school when, when Bill Clinton was, was, uh, was the president. So forgive me if I get the president wrong, but the famous quote, it's the economy, stupid. I believe it was Bill Clinton. Was, and I'm a foreigner, so I get extra points for getting that right. You know what? I'll, I'll give you that. And then he, uh, he referenced that quote and he, uh, he changed it up to depict the situation we are in now by saying, quote, it's the windows, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he says then uh, that Sony uh, values theatricality above other mediums um, because, uh, you know, really, and this is something that I thought it's certainly not, not as spicy as the uh, go effing figure quote, but that he values, or rather Sony values, theatrical exclusivity because he wants these films to be part of the cultural conversation. He doesn't want them to come and go, which is what really what we see when a lot of these films uh, get dumped on streaming platforms. And when I say dumped, I do mean dumped. They're there, people talk about them for a few days, and then you're on to the next thing. You know what? I compare that move that we see with some of these titles to what I call the Walgreens DVD bin of death. You know, when you walk into a Walgreens in North Carolina, there's mm-hmm. a bin, just a stack of DVDs just thrown in there. Oh, yeah, nine pack for $5. That's yeah, where I get a lot of my DVDs. It, including mm-hmm. Swim Fan on DVD, which I can certify. Rebecca Pauly owns a copy of Swim Fan on DVD. You tried to sell that. Did, did, were you, any takers? Um, uh, TBD, but we'll if see. I get 25 cents for it, I'll be happy. But that, that's really what we're seeing with a lot of these streaming titles. That, you I'm, know, not gonna, some, I'm not going to let you disparage Swim Fan here. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for going down that road. But going back to, to, to that treatment of some of these titles that just get dumped into streaming, it's not that all of them do. Obviously, some of them do catch on. But a lot of them really get come and go and get forgotten. That's really in stark contrast to what Sony's doing, where, yes, they are selling titles to streaming here and there very strategically. I think, namely, a lot of family titles, they, they're looking at, at, the, at the comfort levels right now and haven't really committed to sticking with some of these family titles. Mm-hmm. But most everything else, Sony stands apart in sticking to that theatrical commitment and we saw the exhibition community really appreciate that today. Yeah, I mean, just a, a perfect, wonderful main presentation to to kick off CinemaCon. Couldn't have imagined a, a better studio to do it. Um, you know, there have been other studios that have certainly uh, taken different approaches uh, to theatrical exclusivity, indeed, even to their presence at CinemaCon. Um, but Sony really showed up. And, and I mean that in the 
literal sense, but also the figurative sense yeah. be because the uh, special screening tonight to close out the Sony presentation um, was Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, I won't say more about the film other than that I, I really enjoyed it. I found it funny. You know, I'm a big fan of the three previous films and I, I felt like it, it struck a good balance between the old and the new. But just from a, I guess, from a, from a business standpoint, I suppose, the thing that I was most impressed by is that the director of the film, Jason Reitman, and the producer of the film, Ivan Reitman, his father, who incidentally <laughs> directed the original Ghostbusters film, showed up to introduce the film. Daniel, I think, did we expect any talent to show up to That's, this year's CinemaCon? It's a huge question mark we had walking in. We wouldn't have blamed talent that didn't want to come no. in, obviously, or anyone that, that felt uncomfortable, right? This is a situation where... A lot of the people here are here because they understand the stakes of this CinemaCon. Mm -hmm. And by the way, a reminder to some of our colleagues in the press, the stakes of this CinemaCon isn't a studio trailer film festival. That's not the point of this event. The, the stakes of this event are what Mitch Neuhauser started off this presentation with a moment for everything that has been lost this past year, both in terms of lives and, and of health. Obviously, that's Forgive the uh, exhibition pun, that's paramount. But then also within this industry, the theaters that have closed, the people who have lost their jobs. This is an industry that supports so many people and, and, and it's them that are at stake here. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I think it was a great opportunity to have talent in this first CinemaCon presentation from a studio that put in the time, mm -hmm. that showed up and showed the first public screening mm -hmm. of this highly anticipated title. You have Ivan Reitman talking about his first experience uh, going to a movie theater at the Alhambra Theater in Toronto, where as a young child he saw uh, Errol Morris's Robin Hood. Uh, both of them were, were very supportive of uh, the theatrical experience and of seeing Ghostbusters Afterlife in a theater. And if, uh, Daniel, if you'll permit me a little plug, I was able to have a conversation with uh, Jason Reitman for our upcoming Q4 issue with distribution at Cine Europe and Show East. And he also spoke about uh, some of his childhood theatrical experiences. Um, of course, being the uh, being the son of a, of a directorial legend like Ivan Reitman, he pretty much lived in a movie theater. So... You you can tell that that he that Ivan Reitman that Sony really have a, a deep rooted respect for this industry. And you know what I, I I'm really excited to go and find the Errol Morris Robin Hood. I think that might have been the Errol Flynn Robin I Hood. I meant Errol Flynn, but God, if there were an Errol Morris Robin That'd Hood, I would see it. A lot of talking heads there. Some some great you apologies know, in advance. As, as I noted before, you know we we record this every night um, at, at CinemaCon to get it to you early as possible the next morning. Uh, we, we want to give you some of that boots on the ground feel if you're not able to be here. But there may be some slip ups and some gaps. Sometimes I, we'll just straight up invent a movie, but it's, I, it's not. I'll, we'll just tell you you can find it on Netflix yeah. or in any streaming platform, and you'll take our word for it. But Rebecca, I think uh, this was a, a great opportunity again today for us to meet a lot of folks, get get really started in having these conversations that the industry needs so much after 18 months of going through a horrible crisis. We're not out of it yet, but today I think was really an important first step 
for that future. So right now, we're going to move on to our interview segment with Rolando Rodriguez, CEO of Marcus Theaters and chairman of the National Association of Theater Owners. Thank you so much for joining us today and tune in tomorrow for another episode of our daily box office podcast, CinemaCon edition. Rolando, thanks so much for joining us again here on the box office podcast. Uh, a lot to talk about today. We're seeing a lot of positive signs in the market. Uh, I think uh, Rebecca said it a second ago. It does seem sometimes, however, that it's two steps forward, one step back, especially uh, with these variants uh, causing a lot of concern. But overall, where would you say the industry finds itself in the timeline to recovery here in the U.S.? And are there any mileposts in the coming months in the distance that you're looking at to assess our progress moving forward? So look, first of all, thank you for having me, both uh, Daniel and Rebecca, great to see you. Look, I, I would say a couple of things, uh, you know, to the two steps, uh, you know, forward and one step back. Uh, you know, the good news is obviously there's a solution. There's multiple solutions. There's certainly the solution with the vaccination, which we certainly uh, all of us should be encouraging each other, you know, for our own safety and the safety of others uh, to do that. And second of all, there's also treatments. And this is a different, totally different place than when our country was a year ago. Uh, and so I think there's that positive aspect from what I would coin the external factors that impact our industry. Secondly, thanks to the, to the support from our film company friends in California, they're releasing film. And now we're starting to see that momentum. You know, for instance, this coming Friday, there'll be three films that are being released, right? Uh, Don't Breathe, Respect, uh, and Free Guy. And so you look at that and it starts getting back to a little bit more of the norm of what would happen in our industry dating back to 2019 and early 2020, when you would have two to three films that are being released on a weekly basis. That, in my mind, is positive momentum. And why is that positive momentum? Is because we have to, again, educate the consumers <laughs> through our journey that we're back, right? And that doesn't happen like a light switch that you just turned on because, frankly, for almost you know the past 15 to 18 months, if you think about it, for all intents and purposes, our industry has been shut down, right? We, we've been open, but we've been open uh, thanks to, again, our partners in, in California with library films. So for the most part, you know, we had the folks that were the diehard consumers that came back and, and we were able to keep our doors open and entertain as many folks and obviously employ as many associates as we possibly could during that difficult time. But now that journey continues. And so with the help with, number one, vaccination. Number two, our studios providing the film product. Number three, continuing to educate our consumers that we have a safe, an enjoyable and incredible price value relationship to participate in, that journey continues. Now, where are we in that journey to your question? Look, I, I think I've shared this with many folks. We have to look at how do you start walking? And I think we started to walk, you know, somewhat uh, around May of this year, right? And, and then I think now we're more in a faster walk kind of jogging situation, right? So we're picking up momentum. And then ideally, my hope, uh, Daniel and Rebecca, is that as we start getting into the fall, 
right? Uh, and in particular, as we start heading into October, right? I'm already thinking not just August and September, which, by the way, look great, and there's some good films associated. I can't wait to see Venom, right, uh, that's coming out uh, the end of September. But you look at October, November, and December, and there's an incredible lineup of films that are associated with that. And hopefully that's when we start seeing ourselves more into a faster jog and then ideally get ourselves into a running situation. That's something that's been so challenging. Uh, it's been really a sensitive task during this crisis, people not knowing uh, which theaters are open, where capacities, or even where they can see certain films. Uh, how have you addressed this challenge in your role at Marcus Theaters? And how has the industry addressed it as a whole with the Big Screen is Back campaign? So look, uh, and I'll speak both on behalf of obviously the industry and as well as Marcus, uh, both in my role as the you know chairman of NATO and then obviously the chairman and CEO of Marcus. You know, and as, as both of you well know, we started kind of this, uh, what I would call again, the walking phase of the marketing aspect. And that started in May as well. The big screen's back, right? We had the big launch of the big screen's back. We wanted to present this in LA, let the world know that obviously theaters were open. But at that point in time, if you recall, we were probably somewhere around 65% or so of the theaters that were open. By the way, many of them were challenged because of the SVOG money had not reached them. For, so for a lot of these smaller independent operators, you know, they couldn't open their doors. They couldn't afford to open their doors. And I think NATO's team has done an incredible job. You know, John Fithy and Esther and Jackie have done an incredible job of working uh, very hard to ensure that those funds will become available. As those funds started to roll out, you're starting to see that movement of more theaters opening up. And I think at last count, we were almost at 86% of the theaters open this past weekend. So you think about that as a journey, right? On, on coming back, that's a start of the theaters getting open, period, to educate the consumers. Then we followed that up with Cinema Week, right? Which occurred in, in the middle of June. And that was another big jolt. And by the way, the reason I share those two big events is because every exhibitor across the board, including Marcus, spent a great deal of time ensuring that we were marketing the big screens back to all of our loyalty members, all of our marketing and advertising channels, and continuing to educate that. But look, what the missing piece was is that we weren't yet to a point where we had multiple films opening up on a weekly basis. And so when you combine, you know, continuing to promote the big screens back, you know, that the theaters are open, coupled with the fact that the theaters are open and we have film, you know, multiple films and genres to actually share with the consumers, that journey continues. And so there's no question, Rebecca, that educating for us, it, it's not, in fact, we talk a lot about this during our NATO board meetings. It's not a one week event. It's not a one month event. The reality for us is that we need to look at every day, every week, every month, probably, you know, clearly through the end of this year, that we have to stay very focused on messaging and constantly messaging with the support, by the way, of our film partners that are now in many cases promoting their films 
you know, they really have started to promote them now on the uh, media outlets like television spots and whatnot. And the other thing that we really appreciate about them is that many of them are promoting in theaters only. And so when you start educating not only the consumer about the fact that it's in the theaters, there was a little bit of confusion at the beginning where people would say, well, where do I watch this movie? Is it on a streaming channel? Is it at the theater? You know, how do I do that? And so with the help of all of us working together, it's an important piece of, uh, you know, the dynamics of our industry that the theaters need to work. Streaming is another nice piece of business, you know, for the film companies. PBOD is as well. All of those are important elements for them to create the revenues necessary to make films. But there's no question that the theatrical business is kind of the launching pad. And when it's properly treated, it really creates that long lasting value down the line. Now, part of that is meeting the consumer where they're comfortable. And that's such a sliding scale that changes so much under different conditions, right? I mean, I hadn't seen my family for almost a year, really, until I was vaccinated and I felt comfortable after the vaccine to get into the airplane, right? Different folks just have different comfort levels depending on these scenarios. From your perspective, uh, not only at NATO, but also at Marcus, what have you learned from moviegoers' comfort levels in returning over the last year and a half? And how have factors like, say, Cinema Safe or private rentals contributed to those comfort levels? So first of all, the fact that the vaccines are there have really brought an incredible uh, psyche change in many of the consumers. And by the way, I'm a moviegoer, so I go to the movies. I'm, I'm, I watched three movies this past weekend. I'm watching at least two movies this coming weekend. And I love engaging with our associates and engaging with our customers and then trying to find out what's in their mind. Interestingly enough, when you think about the surveys that have been taken, a lot comes out which I'm not seeing, which is interesting to me, right? Because they say, well, seniors aren't back. Well, I went and saw Stillwater. Seniors are back <laughs> and they are coming to see Stillwater. They're coming right? back for the right title. Maybe they're not coming back. Right. And, and then they say, well, moms and, and, you know, they're afraid with the kids and whatnot. Well, I got to tell you, when you add up the multiple family films that are up, believe it or not, that's the genre that's doing the best, <laughs> which is fascinating, right? So when you add up, you know, the Jungle Book and the Space Jam, right? And then another, you know, small titles that we introduced through kind of our summer program where we bring these family films, you add them all up and you say, the problem is it's not driven by one movie. Like, you know, in 2019, you had Lion King, right? And that dominated. So therefore that picture stood out by itself. In this case, we don't have a Lion King per se, but we got two or three films that are all basically bringing in the family. So it's an interesting dynamic when you ask about the psyche. Look, are there consumers that are still uh, concerned with the virus and their ability to come back? The answer to that is yes, of course. Are we making progress associated with the cinema safe? And in our case at, at, at Marcus, we have the STAR program. So we embellish even the cinema safe to take it to a different level. And what I would tell you is that they're seeing the cleanliness and, and the proof is in the pudding. We're, we have, and Marcus, we get judged by our customers on what we call the net promoter score. And that's obviously a universal you know, customer service element that's out there. Our scores have never been higher, never been higher, okay? 
And, and what's fascinating is because of the level of cleanliness and care, additional cleanliness. By the way, we're always clean. We're, it was always a top priority for us, but we knew that we had to take it to a totally different level in terms of sanitation, right? Consumer engagement. All of those elements, our associates recognize the importance of that. Well, that's changing some psyche. And then finally, to one of your comments, we introduced the Marcus Private Cinemas. So those families that still felt like, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to be in an auditorium possibly with individuals that I don't know, right? And don't know if they're really following the guidelines of wearing the mask, right? If they're not vaccinated, they're renting these auditoriums and we're providing them at a great price value relationship. And we're seeing that that's answering for a lot of the folks that still have that. Now, what's been fascinating about that is that the folks that have come to the Marcus Private Cinema, they had a particular set mind about what that was going to be and their fear behind it. Once they came to it, guess what? Now we're having them come back in as just regular customers without the Marcus Private Cinema because they saw the safety elements that we as an industry are taking. And so it was more of perception, not necessarily reality. And so it's an ongoing battle that we're all going to have. And by the way, this is not specific to our industry. This is every consumer facing business in America, every entertainment facility, every restaurant. We're all facing the same thing. We have to earn that consumer psyche back. There's no question that the vaccination opened the doors and then couple that with quiet place. And look at what quiet place opened up, right? I mean, most people you know, you forget that it opened up when, it, you know, our country still was not at a high level of vaccination. So it, I think it's a combination of both, Daniel. Number one, a key film, right? Which, by the way, we have to thank uh, John, you know, a lot about this. Uh, you know, what he went out there, uh, the director, in, in promoting this film and getting out to the marketplaces and letting people know that the theaters were back open. That was an amazing that was marketing yeah. aspect. John, John Straczynski and Paramount put in the work on that one. That was, you know, I congratulate both of them on this, because, and I have, uh, because they deserve it. They went out there and they did what I would call the guerrilla marketing efforts, right? Which we need to do more of is get back out and, and energize our consumers. And think about this. He went to all different types of markets. And, and uh, I always share with my friends in California, you know, the East Coast is fantastic. New York is a great place. California is a great place. But we have a big country in between. And we love to see more of those movie stars and more of those directors do exactly what he did because he energized consumers back into movie going. And we really appreciated that. Uh, to belabor the sports metaphor a bit, apologies, but I'm still feeling a little bit of an Olympics buzz. Um, <laughs> it really is a, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint with this. You you have these systems in place. You have Cinema Safe. You have the Marcus Star Pass. You have a slate of movies coming up that, I mean, you have all these systems in place and, and, and the components are there. Given that, what are going to be the biggest challenges that are to remain for you as exhibitors over the next couple of months? And is there like a, a benchmark that you're looking for that you'll see as you'll finally be able to release that breath and, and feel like it is maybe at the tail end of this crisis for exhibition? 
all good questions. And I'm going to use now my sports metaphor for a second. And it's called the Bucks, the National Basketball Champions out of Milwaukee, right? And I would tell you that if, if you thought about it, right, for uh, the first two games, everybody gave up on them, right? In fact, every sports announcer was saying, this, this is over, they're outmatched. And to your point, all of the components were there. A great leader that won MVP, obviously, at the end of the game. A great team that worked together. And they put it all together. And they made a huge comeback in winning four games in a row. Right? Think about that. Four games in a row when everybody had given up on them. And so you're right. We have all those components together. And so now what we're looking for is that next milestone for us. And we've had some films that have done extremely well. And probably if you were to think, and probably Daniel can relate to this, when you think about what that next milestone is, everybody is looking for, where is that one film that's going to open up to $100 million, right? Because that's kind of the next bridge that people will be looking for, right? We've had films that opened up at 60. You know, we've had films that have opened up at 70, you know. Uh, we've had films that opened up at 80 million, right? So we've hit that 80 million mark already. So now that next milestone is when do we get that film that really resonates and hits that 100 million? You know, as far as challenges that we still face ahead, frankly, the biggest one that we face is perception. And, and perception meaning that that's the thing we need to overcome in consumers' mind. How do we resonate? that all of the components are there, that there's great films out there, that there's brand new films, like Daniel said. And we're starting to see that momentum build, not just with the posters like we talked about earlier, you know, the the uh, uh, standees, but frankly, trailers that are now even new trailers that you can actually watch of upcoming films. But perception, and when I mean perception, we're dealing with perception of governmental agencies. We're dealing with perceptions of health agencies. We're dealing with consumer, uh, you know, uh, perceptions. And frankly, we're even dealing with perceptions of our great partners in the film community, right? Because they're the ones that are releasing the films. And so they have to feel awfully comfortable that we are ready to start getting back to the other challenge of a more traditional type of release model, right? And that means how do we have some level of window that separates the importance of that theatrical, you know, uh, release with the PVOD, with the follow up on the streaming? You know, will it become, will it be the same that it's always been? The answer is no. But there is a need for that. And there is a financial benefit associated with that for all of us involved, film companies and exhibitors that are important for all of us. And so, yeah, the challenges, I would say perception and perception that deals with all the, the different, you know, uh, stakeholders that I just mentioned, and that will play an important part of how do we really get back to that $100 million opening. And so, you know, what movies will get us there? Uh, look, there's a lot of good ones coming out. Uh, Venom should be a great film. I think that the Bond film will be fantastic. And by the way, my all-time favorite, I'm going to really sound like a nerd here, but I am looking forward to Top Gun 2, like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> this is uh, 
a major fan here, so I'm looking forward to Top Gun too. Tom Cruise, he's in, he's another one who puts in the work for theaters. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's important, right? Because he really goes out and markets the film, and that's really why that film has been held back because he felt that he couldn't really work it the way he does it. And so we're appreciative of that. And I think by the time the film opens up in November, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fantastic success. And by the way, the final item I should mention is we will be ideally hopeful, uh, optimistic about it, that we will be at a different place than we are today come October. Getting back to conventions, getting back now that there's a vaccine available to be able to meet in person and discuss best practices, just catch up with all with with colleagues and, and friends in this industry. And it is just such a bigger industry than simply just distribution and exhibition. I say this all the time to, to colleagues in the media when they go to CinemaCon. The other half of the show is on the trade show. The other half of the show is with the vendors that really rely on these events to be able to make contacts within this industry. Now that we've got these big conventions coming up, what are you looking forward to in meeting with colleagues in person? And what role do they play for this industry as a whole? Look, first of all, uh, I would say they are uh, incredible partners. And I failed to mention them, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Daniel, because we have incredible partners, not just in the film community, but in the vendor community. And that vendor community has stuck it out with us. They've been partners through this whole tragic time period that we have all faced together. Uh, and so having CinemaCon, right, that's coming up as the first one. Um, what an amazing and incredible time. And that was really the objective from the very beginning about CinemaCon, that it's about getting all of these folks together, right? Bringing them into, in fact, I heard the word, the comment uh, the other day, how do we look at each other in a 3D basis instead of, frankly, just on, on this uh, video conference type of situation? And that's a different type of an experience. As much as we're having a great conversation here. There is no replacing being in person. We're human beings. We're social beings. We miss each other. Uh, you know, I, I've said this many times uh, that if there was something positive out of this virus experience on a personal and professional basis, what it brought to light for me is how much I missed my friends, my family, my colleagues, you know the vendor partners, and seeing them in person has just been an incredible joy that, by the way, I will never take them for granted again. We took that for granted, right? We used to just look at a meeting as just a meeting. Now I look at a meeting as, wow, I'm, 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 I see Daniel, you know, I see Rebecca. Wow, that's just meaningful to me now. And so that's what these conventions will bring to the table, that we're going to bring the film community. We're going to bring the vendor community. We're going to bring exhibitors. I can tell you, we just met uh, John Fithian and I with the uh, ICA, you know, the Independent Cinema Association. They're super excited. You know, their members are signing up left and right to come out. And so while it may not be as big of a convention as it, it would normally have been, let me tell you, there'll be enough people there to have really a bonding experience and really talk about the good things that we need to work on together, what synergies, what can we learn from one another, 
And let's make sure that we set a path going forward, you know, to get us back on track. I agree with with Daniel that with with all these shows, the trade floor is is the best part for me. Not only, you know, free concession samples because I'm a big concessions nerd, but just getting the opportunity to speak to people. And I think these next couple of shows, you'll be able to see some of the innovations that these vendors have come up with over the past year and a half. Um, It's something that the vendor community and the exhibitor community have really done to take time and take stock. Um, We mentioned the the Marcus Private Cinema Rental Program earlier. Uh, What are some of these innovations that that Marcus has looked at or maybe other vendor innovations that have looked appealing to you? Um, And what role do you think some of those initiatives are going to play even as we get past the pandemic? So look, uh, once again, Thank the incredible vendor community because there's several shows coming up, as all of you well know. You have CinemaCon, and then you'll have Cine Europe, and then you'll have Show East. And so there's three major gatherings. And, and I thank all these vendors from the bottom of our hearts because it's going to bring three different types of audiences to them that, has, that have missed them quite a bit. You know, in terms of innovation, think about what we have, uh, you know, done as an industry quite rapidly. One is we had to go to the, um, you know, the online concept at a whole different level, meaning, you know, where this concession ordering was still being played for and basically the technology wasn't quite up to speed. We had to work very quickly into the low to no touch concept, right? So in other words, can you order your concession items and order your box office tickets and then basically walk through without touching a human being, right? Because you want low touch and low contact type of situation. And so that innovation unto itself uh, was quite rapidly across the industry. And in particular for us, we were one of the leading circuits that were able to implement that fairly rapidly. The market's private cinemas, those things, I mean, that was an incredible element that brought these families back out to enjoy, right? I think that the way we sanitize our theaters and the way we clean them and the way we're maintaining them are at a totally different element that will not go backwards again. In other words, this is probably a standard that is a must. And I don't see sanitation stations, by the way, ever going away again, <laughs> right? You're, you're going to want those hand sanitizers everywhere. I don't think the Marcus private cinemas will go away. I think there's, there's been a, a market that's been created. I don't think that ordering the tickets and the food and beverage online will go away. In fact, for us, we've changed our model. We have our movie taverns as an example. And so now instead of actually servers that take the order, people actually order their entire order online. They sit in their seat. So they go straight to their seat. And what we have is basically a runner that takes their food to their seat. So there's no longer a human contact that's associated. And so those type of innovations or creativity have actually worked very well. And by the way, the consumer, believe it or not, has enjoyed the ability to do it on their own. Because, you know, a lot of times if somebody made a human error, right, they might have gotten the wrong item. Well, now it's on you. You're actually placing the order yourself. You're putting exactly what you want. And and actually, it's improved. Interestingly enough, it's improved our customer service scores because the consumers are part of that. So 
those are just to name a few of those innovations that I think will continue. And I know we're, we're running out on time here, and I, I appreciate uh, all the attention you've given us today, Rolando. But before we leave, I definitely want to ask, uh, as we are coming up, as you reminded me, on Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, coming through on mid-September to mid-October, you've always been very outspoken on the benefits uh, and just responsibility of this industry to reach out to some of their best consumers here in the United States, that Latin American and Hispanic demographic that over indexes with going to the movies. Could you tell us a little bit about what you have uh, in store for this year's Hispanic Heritage Month over at Marcus? So look, uh, for us, we continue to believe in that. We think that, uh, you know, when Rebecca asked earlier, what, what can we look forward and what are the things that need to change? One of them that I didn't touch on is the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and when I speak about that, it's about the inclusion part that's the most important. If you were focused on the I, you wouldn't have to worry about D&E, right? Because it's all about inclusiveness. And if you worked on inclusiveness, you got it. And so you're seeing that Hollywood has started to do that, right? An incredible amount of fantastic cast of African-Americans, right? An incredible amount of cast of female leading roles, right? Gender diversity. Uh, we're now starting to see, and I'm looking forward to Eternals is going to have actually some Hispanic superheroes. And by the way, a female uh, on top of that. So that those are exciting elements that, by the way, as an industry, we can now start taking advantage. And how does that roll into Hispanic Heritage Month? That rolls into Hispanic Heritage Month because we represent about 24% of the attendance in our industry. And so that constant education, no different than the African-American represents roughly 16 to 17% of the market, you know, uh, in our industry. Those are important demographics. If you were just to add those two up, that's 40% of your attendance. That's just in, you know, ethnic diversity. You know, if you look at female diversity, it's over 50%, right? That, that females that attend the movies. So if you're not paying attention to that, and you're not taking advantage of those moments where you can connect with the consumer like Hispanic Heritage Month. For us, we're going to be running special movies, right? We would normally do Cine Latino, right? But unfortunately, because of the place that we're at with the virus, we're trying to be as careful as we can. This would be a huge event for us. I mean, a huge gathering event. So we want to be careful, but we're still going to come in and bring several Hispanic films, you know, uh, starting on that week. And throughout that entire month, and then we're connecting with the with the uh, Hispanic Collaborative here in Milwaukee, and we're doing everything, whether it's media events, tying it in, because it's about knowledge, right? It's about understanding. It's about understanding different cultures that then we can all become a little bit more inclusive. And that, by the way, is not only the right thing to do, but it's good for business. And that's the way I speak about it. So very excited about Hispanic Heritage Month, very excited about the fact that Hollywood's recognizing the importance of women, African-Americans, Hispanic, LGBTQ, you go on down the list, that these are important audiences that in our social makeup of today, critical to the long-term success of our industry. From behalf of myself and Daniel, thanks to all of you for listening, and hopefully we will see as much of you at CinemaCon as we can. The Box Office Podcast is produced by Box Office Pro in collaboration with the Box Office Company alongside Record Edit Podcast. 
And please do visit our website, boxofficepro.com, to register for our next live session taking place from CinemaCon Thursday, August 26, 7 o'clock in the morning. Great time for European listeners, where again, we will be analyze uh, the news of what's been going down at CinemaCon, in addition to uh, welcoming and speaking to several special guests. So hopefully uh, we will we will see you there and uh, have a great rest of your week. Mm-hmm.